Thanks for leading us, Tom and Desiree. Um, John chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. We were in John chapter 3 last week. Um, if you'd like to follow along, if, if you'd like to use one of the, the Bibles on the table um, that you're seated at, it's going to be on page 1,652, 1652. Um, today's story is really going to keep hitting theme with what we've already been talking about and praying about this morning. Um, and, and I just kind of count that as maybe God really wants to speak to us today. <laughs> so, let's, so let's tune in. Let's, let's sink in. Let's not let this moment pass. Um, this whole series, Take the Lid Off, is, is, is here for us because Reachway is in its birthday month. We are one year old. And um, it's been a fun year. We talked about this last week a little bit. But there's been a lot of new. Pretty much anyone who's been a part of Reachway, um, there has been something different about Reachway than the, the church that they attended previous. Um, of, course, of course, people who attend church generally make up new churches, right? So on our very, on our very first Sunday together, which was September 23rd, 2018, we had people from at least three different churches um, people who make up this population right now, we were all, myself included, attending a different church uh, last spring, right? Um, a, a different church with a different, uh, t- different number of voices and things like that. And over this last year, we've all been stretched out of our comfort zones. We've all done things that we didn't expect that we would be doing, um, Hopefully for the good, right? I, I, I believe that good things have come from, from all of us kind of putting our heads down and doing things that we weren't used to. Um, take the lid off is all about this idea that there are times in our lives where pressure is building below the surface. And in order for something new to happen, that pressure has to be released, um, you, you think of cooking on the stovetop, you're boiling water or you're cooking something in a pan and you've got a lid on it and the condensation is hitting the lid, but at some point that lid needs to come off and there needs to be an escape of, there needs to be a release of um, whatever pressure is being built. Um, it's in the release in our lives, it's when we are able to say, I'm taking a step I never thought I would I'm actually going to remove the ceiling that I've put on myself in this particular area of life. It's when we do that, that God fills that space and does something new. So this series is all about exploring, is there an area in my life, are there areas in my life where I need to stop just hearing about something and praying about something and thinking about something, but is there something that I just need to do? Um, is there some? Is there a? Is there an area where I just need to take the lid off of this area in my life? I don't know what's next, but I'm going to put a foot forward and I'm just going to go with it. That's what this series is about. Uh, last week in John chapter three, we looked at the story of Nicodemus. This is uh, a Pharisee and someone who is on what we could call the Supreme Court of all Jewish people at this time, finds Jesus at night and asks him questions. 
And what we see from that single act alone is that Nicodemus is taking the lid off of his perceptions, his opinions, the things that he held with him up into that conversation. And we see an interaction through Jesus result in a transformation in Nicodemus's life where he finds himself at the burial of Christ. Um, we see him in John chapter 3. We see him in John chapter, I believe it's 19, where Nicodemus is there and there's this transformation that takes place through this interaction. Uh, for the sake of time, I, I'd like to present a question. This, this was something I hope we could have kicked around uh, at your tables, but for the sake of time, do still want to ask the question. I do still want you to think of someone that you can answer this question with. But the question is this. Think of a person who invested in your life. Um, the question says, share about who they are, how they invested in you, and how that has shaped you into who you are today. Like I would mentioned, we're not going to actually have this discussion just for the sake of time. But if you could, over the next couple of moments, think about that person who has invested in your life who was a person or maybe a group of people, maybe it's a family, and it doesn't really matter what period of life you want to think about, but who really invested. Um, of course, you know who they are, but think about how, how they invested in you, and, and you know how, because you were the one who was invested in, and how that shapes us today. Um, would encourage you to um, be thinking about that person as we talk about this story in particular of Jesus talking with a Samaritan woman. I could talk for hours about this story. Um, I won't today. Um, there is an overwhelming amount of stuff that we have to learn about Jesus just in this one interaction. Just in this one interaction. Um, to, to help guide us, we're going to look at one particular verse, just one verse today. I'll give an overview of the story, but that's John chapter 4, verse 7. We find Jesus sitting at a well, and the scriptures say that when a Samaritan woman came to draw water at the well that Jesus was sitting at, he said to her, will you give me a drink? If you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. In a world where walls are being built, Jesus desires to tear them down. Don't think border walls, <laughs> although that's a reality, and it has been for our world's history. Think, think the invisible walls. Think the walls that are put up because of how we enter into circumstances related to gender and race and socioeconomics and, and neighborhood and, and those, those invisible walls, the ones that we put up in our minds, not the ones we put up in real life, but the ones that are in our minds, in a world where those kinds of walls are being built, Jesus desires to see them torn down want to give some bullet points about this story. It's a big one. It goes all the way until uh, verse 42 of chapter 7. But we have Jesus and his disciples are going from point A to point B. 
And in between point A and B, they need to stop off at a town called Sikar. Um, the disciples go into this town to get food. Jesus is tired. He goes to a well. That's where we find him with the Samaritan woman. Just that right there, we have walls being torn down because we have a group of Jewish men who are going into um, a Gentile area. Gentile is a word for non-Jews. And there was a thousands of year history between Jews and non-Jews where it wasn't even we're going to live in the same place and just not get along in the same place. The divide was we are going to live in different places. It's not like if you were to go to, go to Chicago, Illinois, and in Chicago, Illinois, you can find someone from literally any place on earth. It, this, this wasn't a diverse land um, in Jesus' time. There were, there were walls, right? There were, there were walls around nationality, and they were sometimes visible, um, but oftentimes invisible. A wall is already being torn down when Jesus leads his disciples to this town and tells his guys to go into this town. We have societies intermixing. Now, we have Jesus at a well with a Samaritan woman. Um, I want us to keep in mind that it's at noon, and what I think John wants us to see here is it's the fact that it's at noon, the sun is highest in the day, it's it is arguably the hottest at this period of time. The woman goes to the well at noon because of the perception that she has on what other people think of her. She knows that if she goes at noon, she'll be alone because it's the hottest it could ever be. And that's why she chooses to go. She knows her village neighbors won't be there, so she's going to go when they won't be there so that, um, so that she won't have to face the stairs and the scowls. Now, we read and we learn that she does this because she's been a part of multiple marriages, and, and so we learn that, that there could be some shame there. But what we see is this transition between a perceived alienation and a very real alienation, and Jesus breaks that. Jesus breaks through it. And his physical presence alone shows this woman that not everyone looks at you with those kind of judgmental eyes. Jesus' presence alone says not everyone thinks about you like you think other people think about you. In this interaction, we have two massive walls being torn down. We have a Jew having a conversation with a Samaritan. Once again, this divide that exists. Samaritans would be, you know, think of the word Gentile as an umbrella. Samaritans were very much under that umbrella where there is this tension between Jews and Samaritans, Jews and Gentiles. And we have a man speaking with a woman. Now, that might not come as a shock to you, but men and women in this time generally didn't converse in public, even more so rabbis, Jewish 
religious teachers, Jesus was seen as a rabbi, were advised not to interact with women in public. And all of this is being torn down. Now, if we were to keep reading the story and jump ahead, this, just like Nicodemus, leads to a transformation. Jesus has an encounter. If you were here last week, we talked about how these conversations in John go, um, someone asks a question, Jesus gives a confusing response, they misunderstand the response, Jesus gives an even more confusing response, then there's an explanation, and then there's something else that happens. The something else that happens is that this Samaritan woman goes to her village, she says to her neighbors, you have got to meet this person, he has told me everything about me, and Jesus stays with them for days, and we read that many people in this village actually come to know the salvation of Christ. You talk about a transformation. When the person who was alienated in the neighborhood is the person who ends up getting the whole neighborhood saved. That's a bit of a transformation. That is a bit of a transformation. But in order for something like that to happen, I don't even want us to get caught there. That's, where, that's kind of the hurrah where that story ends a lot. I don't even want to talk about that hurrah. I want to talk about how it happened. I want to talk about how that interaction was made possible, and I'd like to highlight three key aspects that we see embodied in Jesus in this very simple conversational moment. I want us to see these aspects, and I want us to see them as very real possibilities for us to be able to embody so that we can see similar transformations happen as a result of our interactions with others. We really do have to believe in that kind of stuff. The first one I want to see is Jesus's humanity. Consider the exhausted Jesus that is tired from the journey. Consider the one who has healed the blind, who has given the ability to hear back to the deaf, who heals paralyzed people. Consider the one that would eventually raise someone from the dead as tired. The one who had all of that power as tired, sitting down, exhausted. Consider the, the Jesus who finds himself in a brief moment in time reliant on someone else. I'm tired. Can you get me a drink of water? Don't miss Jesus asking someone else for help. <laughs> Don't miss Jesus for a moment in his humanity, believing that in one person, we found a fully human and fully divine person. Don't miss him here asking for help, let alone someone who's had five marriages. Don't miss that. Consider his willingness to engage in conversation. Consider a Jewish male rabbi engaging in conversation with a Samaritan woman. That's human-on-human human stuff. Powers and power structures are laid down. Jesus gives. He turns in his rabbi card. He turns in his, his, his card that, 
you know, I'm a Jew and I have this kind of social power. He turns in his, his man card and he has a conversation with this woman. Consider the weight of that. The second thing I want us to see is Jesus's sympathy, his sympathy towards this woman. This sympathetic demeanor relaxed her and showed that he was not there to critique and condemn, but he was there as someone who understands. Consider what his eyes must have looked like. Consider what his body language must have looked like. Consider what his hands and his feet must have been doing. Consider what kinds of things would have come out of his mouth to break down the shame, to break down the worry, to break down the anxiety of a woman who had been in five marriages who was a Samaritan coming face to face with a Jewish religious rabbi who is a man and who is once again a Jew. You talk about disarming a situation. Jesus' sympathy strips away every possible reason why this conversation should not have happened. I also want us to see here in this moment of sympathy and in this story that this is not flash-in-the-pan stuff. This isn't, I'm at your doorstep and I'm gone and you'll never see me again. This is engagement. I think engagement says, I care. I think flash in the pan says, not I don't care, but I don't care as much. I don't care as much to come back. I don't care as much to, to exchange names, numbers, emails. I don't, I don't care as much to say, I'll be back this time next week and, and we can talk again. Jesus engages with this woman. His humanity shows us things. His sympathy shows us things. I want Jesus' mission that we already know to show us something as well. We know going into the story that his mission is to seek out and save what has been lost. This woman had been lost. She was lost by her village. Hear that. She was kicked to the curb by her neighbors. She was kicked to the curb by her city. She became lost because people lost her. Jesus seeks her out. Jesus desires to save people like the Samaritan woman who have become, for a variety of reasons, lost. So, our take-the-lid-off moment. Um, if I could summarize it in this phrase, seek relationship. A couple of questions here as we, as we close, things that you can consider this rest of today for the rest of this week. Um, are you sharing life with anyone? When I, when I mean sharing life, I mean, are you regularly in conversations, physical interactions with people where you are sharing needs, where you're getting vulnerable, 
where you're casting concerns and worries, um, where someone knows what you're working through and you know what someone else is working through. Um, And then I would say as a caveat, if it's applicable to you, a non-significant other, okay? If you're married, you're sharing life with the person you're married to, right? Um, Someone outside of the household, are you sharing life with anyone? Are you tearing down any walls within that relationship? Are you taking the step forward and acting towards what we could call reconciliation? Are you approaching head-on that there's a person that you know, there's a person that you've come into contact with, you know why you shouldn't be friends with this person, do you address that kind of stuff head-on and say, hey, none of that matters here? Um, I believe that we are called to seek out opportunities to relationally tear down walls and create space for God to do something new in your life and in the life of someone else. That's what we see here. And there's a lot of other things that we see in the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. But one of the things that I want us to see is that if we can find a way to take the lid off of maybe our time, how we schedule it, how we structure it, or maybe what efforts we see as valuable versus not as valuable. Um, Maybe opening up our eyes and our minds to who are the types of people that I can have a relationship with, a friendship with, camaraderie with. Maybe, maybe, up until, maybe up until today, there's only been X number of people that you've just kind of been willing to put effort into. What if, what if, that, needs to, what if that needs to come off? Now, you might say, well... Seth, there's no one who lives around me. There's no one at work um, that's really too different from me. You know, everyone that I find myself around, you know, doesn't really break that mold. Well, duh. (laughs) Because we're good at building our molds, right? (laughs) The key word here is not go find a new relationship. The key word is seek. And maybe you never envisioned being friends with someone you lived 20 minutes away, Um, 15, 10, 5, 30, 40. Um, You know, there's there's not a week that goes by where, where Ty and I don't meet a widow in this neighborhood. Someone who would thought as though heaven was breaking into earth when they had someone checking in on them once in a while. I know of three, and I can connect you with one of them. Um, Brittany Montgomery, if you were here for that neighborhood dinner, young mom, a wife, um, 
having to do a lot. You know, she would think heaven was breaking down to earth if someone hung out with her and her family twice a month. You, do you, you hear what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Seek them out. Seek, seek these relationships out. Seek out these opportunities to, um, to be sympathetic, to be on Jesus' mission, to, to be forgiving like he was, to be understanding like he was. Then we start seeing the transformations that we read about in the scriptures, where this woman goes back to her village and, and gets everyone excited about Jesus. That's, that's when we start seeing these things happen.